1: Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com mobilecom The near sideline of the front court. boots jumping up and down. And a pass to MVP. he range reach the left. He'll launch for three. Back rim. No good. Rebound. Caruso. And the Bulls have done it. They've stunned the Sixers and ended philadelphia's winning streak at six as the bulls beat the sixers 108 to 104. absolutely terrific played game bulls really had control most of it never uh, defensively held philadelphia under 30 points every quarter except the last philadelphia makes a big run but the bulls hang on we're back Live with more Gabe Ramirez. And score senior football analyst Hub Arkish on
2: 670 The Score. That was Bill Wennington and our very own Zach Zademan on the call right there. Shout out Zach Zademan. Did a fantastic job. If they need somebody to fill in for DePaul Basketball Hub, just tell them to call me, man. I know that's how that works. It trickles down.
3: You know, I thought that was Zach, and I, and I that, Great to hear him doing that
2: job. Yeah, Zach does a phenomenal job when he fills in for not only Pat, uh, but Chuck Swirsky as well, who um, lost his sister. So, you know, rest in peace uh, and and prayers out to Chuck's family and and a nice little cloak of of calmness over them. That's what we ask for uh, in that situation. Uh, But he will be back soon enough, so make sure you check that out tomorrow. Bulls are going to be getting things going. And uh, Chuck should be back for that one. Uh, but right now we get to talk to our next guest who is joining us on the hotline presented by Circus Sports Illinois. Uh, he covers the Bulls for us right here on 670. Uh, it is uh, none other than Cody Westerland. Cody, good evening.
4: How are you guys doing tonight? Good to be on.
2: Likewise. Um, so this Bulls team, you know, you and I, we've, we've, we've had to have conversations where we were almost forced to talk about this Bulls squad. It was so painful. But now – not, not 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 too bad to talk about them in the last couple of days just because they're at least interesting to watch
4: more than interesting like this is this is a fun basketball team right now Gabe they're they're six and three in their last nine obviously the the cloud hanging over that has been Zach Levine <laughs> being out with the foot injury but they're sharing the ball well like they're rotating defensively I mean we We get so stuck, I think, on offense sometimes. That's a little flashier. You can see how they're sharing the ball so easily. But these guys have been playing really hard on defense, too. And, like, it's not any one magical thing, but they're just playing solid basketball offensively, helped by better three-point shooting, better offensive rebounding. And then defensively, they're playing solid ball, too. And, like, they're competing really hard against some really good teams, right? Like the 76ers are, what, top three, four team in the NBA. I think they – lead the NBA in net rating, point differential there. So uh, they've been playing really well. The Bulls split in Miami, um, two, two other fun games that were just really fun to watch for them on the road, got the one, and then Jimmy Butler got them at the buzzer on the other. But um, this, is, this has been quite the turnaround, and really it's, it's trending toward putting them probably in a pretty big crossroads here in late January or early February too as the trade deadline looms. And by then they'll need to decide what they, uh, their direction is for the rest of the season.
3: You know, a lot to like the last couple of weeks, but the thing that I've been the most excited about is watching Kobe White. How good is this kid?
4: Oh, he's he's good. He's good. Um, I, I'm i not going to go out and say he's an all-star yet. Uh, I think he's flashing. If, if he did this over a full season, obviously, or a full first half of the season, he'd be right there in the all-star conversation. But no one deserves more credit for this this Bulls rebirth, really, or just resurgence lately than – Kobe White, who's averaging over 25 points in the last nine games. He's just absolutely on fire from three-point land, making almost five per game lately. So this is a guy who has really, really worked hard to become a much better all-around basketball player. If you remember back to his rookie year, his second year, like he would catch fire at times, guys. Like he could throw up 30 points a game. I think his career high is 36. He had some like 33-point games too there in his early years. Uh, in the NBA. So like you knew that was in him, but at the same time, like you watch Kobe White his first or second year, no one in NBA history I don't think that I've seen has run into more screens and got hung up more defensively than he did early in his career. And he's worked so hard on this stuff, so detailed on this stuff, and he's improved in really important areas that aren't obvious unless you really watch him every night, unless you've seen him play throughout the course of his NBA career, which is now in its fifth year. And I think last night's the perfect example, guys, 76ers down a couple points late, run the maxi, Joel Embiid pick and roll, get the ball to Joel Embiid. looks like he's got a full steam um, path to the hoop for the game tying bucket, maybe a potential three-point play too, to take the lead and Kobe White slides over and then kind of pulls the rug out from under Joel Embiid <laughs> just kind of <laughs> was where he needed to be. He didn't like block him at the rim, but he made Embiid kind of lose the ball, miss the shot Demar Mardi Gros and grabbed it and the Bulls win, right? Like, that's a play. He used his brain. A lot of effort. He understood the scouting report. He understood the moment. And, like, that that just, to me, that play reflected, I think, as much last night about him as, as his, I think, team-high 24 points did.
2: Yeah, it was I was bummed that DeMar didn't hit that free throw to make it just three-point game. So, it could have been a lot, a lot easier to handle at the very end. But, nonetheless, uh, a good play by the team to, to get, pull out that victory. It seemed as though yesterday during the game, Cody, that – you know, the Bulls found the rhythm and, and, and the 76ers kind of looked disinterested in the game to a point and then started pulling it back. And you thought maybe, oh, this is where the Bulls kind of collapse and, you know, don't have good shot selection. And, you know, the Sixers find a way to pull away.
4: Hey, Leo, you got me. But, Gabe, that, you got but me. yeah,
2: we got you. We got you here, uh, Cody. Uh, can you? Oh, we got to get him to restart a little bit. Yeah, let's reset it. Don't worry, you got it. Leo Stoddard. I got to ask him a good question because my, my, my thing was hub. It's it's about the character of the Bulls team that's different, right? It's not just Zach being out and people wanting to move the ball more, but, you know, it's like Cody said, the, the rotations. There was an instance, a couple of instances where, you know, usually rotation is just, you know, this guy goes to double this one and everybody just kind of rotates over. There was one where, like, the fourth guy that would be – switching made his way over initially like it was just again something that you might not not have seen but Cody what I was saying was that in the second half it seemed as though that the bulls you know were were more often than not they would have you know let go of the rope so to speak uh and in in this game for whatever reason and that's why I'm asking like what what you could pin, pinpoint it seemed like you know there was just a little more um from them in that in that third quarter that allowed them to withstand that that comeback and and and, and push back that lead in the fourth.
4: Yeah, that's an excellent point. I mean, I, I Billy Donovan was making that point too, right? Like, they had a couple instances even a few nights before against the Heat where they were down, like, 15 points mm-hmm. early and then 11 or 12 in the game. You look at the, the 76ers last night grabbing, I think, an early 12-point lead might even been a couple more than that, but just came out storming. And I, I think there's a confidence because they've won some games that helps. But also, like – it's worth pointing out, I feel like they're getting better shots every possession uh, in the game. So they feel like even if they fall behind, right, it's not so much the process right now that's off form. It's kind of the execution result at the end of the play. So I think that gives them a little bit more confidence. And I think that was probably displayed, too, in Billy Diamond's postgame comments where he was like, you know, there's games we've gone in the locker room and lost, and we felt like we didn't play hard enough, well enough organized enough to have a chance to win the game. And then there's games lately where we go in the locker room, he was saying about his Bulls, and you lose a hard one, and you're like, you gave yourself a chance. And that's what they're doing. And then like some of it's just like three-point shooting coming back, I think a little bit positive regression, obviously, here in the last nine games. And last night wasn't a huge three-point shooting, not anything for the Bulls. But when they do get going a little bit more, I, I think they have that belief that, it's going to turn around. I think also the 76ers game last night Embiid did everything. Maxley had a pretty darn good game. I think with 29 points, but everyone else on the Sixers <laughs> was not very good. So yeah. at some point, like the bulls game plan and strategy kind of came back their way where these other guys weren't hitting enough shots. So I think that has a lot to do with it as they move forward and, and look at how they can compete every night.
3: So Cody, I hate to change the subject, but I've, I've got to get to the question of the hour. It seems impossible that the Bulls are a better basketball team without Zach Levine, but they are at least the last couple of weeks since the injury or since he got hurt. What do you think comes next? Does, does, it, does the trade come? Uh, do they possibly keep him? I mean, because again, it seems impossible unless they get a, a ton for him, and they're not going to get a ton for him. It seems impossible to believe that they're better without him.
4: Yeah. So the February 8th is the trade deadline. I would expect Zach Levine to be traded by then because that's what he wants. That's what the Bulls want. And we're at this time period now, what are we, December 19th, where other teams aren't offering that much. There hasn't been much of a market for Zach Levine yet. Yet the Bulls have a really high price. Yahoo Sports reported the other day they want an established starter. They want a young guy for their rotation and first-round draft capital. So you do the math there. That's three four assets of some sort that the Bulls want for for their star player in their eyes. They're not going to get that much. So at some point, the Bulls will have to come around um, before February 8th if they do indeed want him off the team by then. So again, I would expect it. But you pointed out, Hub, like this is no guarantee. If they get terrible offers all the way through February 8th, they can trade him this summer. Now that would set up, I think... One of the most awkward, weird final couple months of the season of what to do with them. I don't know if you make up injuries for like two straight months or something, right? But it would be incredible. Like If you asked me when they went 4-0 and after Zach first went out, are they better without Zach Levine? I'd be like, well, you know, it's just one of those random oddities of the NBA season where sometimes you get hot, win four in a row. Offense can, can go in the tank pretty soon here. But... They're better with Zach Levine on the floor if he's playing at an efficient high level and fitting into the system, which he did that first year with this core with Vooch and Demar and when Lonzo Ball was healthy. When he fit in to the offense and didn't hold the ball, didn't stop the ball, and was more of a play finisher rather than a decision maker on plays, there's no doubt that the Bulls are better with Zach Levine when he plays at that level. Guys, we haven't seen that level this year. This year, the way he's playing, they are certainly better. All the evidence tells us that right now, in how they're playing lately, and how it's smooth offensively, and how they're better defensively without him. So it's hard to answer that question without knowing Zach Levine's form, and right now, all as we know, is Zach Levine did not have that form, and he's currently dealing with right foot soreness that, that obviously hampered him. So I don't know how this plays out, right? Like, I think in the Bulls' ideal world, they could just trade him by the time before he comes back from injury, trade him in mid-January or something Um, at that point, which I know a lot of people have kind of reported. Like, it looks like that's when he would track back and be able to play. So it's hard to pinpoint. But, yes, I expect he'll be traded. I would expect the return to be a little more underwhelming than than they want and probably raise some eyes, obviously, in Chicago, given how much he's paid. But that – $215 million contract plays into it too. So I I don't know what your thoughts on how good the Bulls are with Zach Levine or without him, but it's obviously positive lately. And if he comes back, he's going to have to play on their terms, how they're playing. And if he did that efficiently, they'd be better. But right now you just, it's hard to see that pass sometimes.
3: Cody, this obviously is not my sport. This is why I need you. But, but the the few times that I've heard him recently, he said all the right things. He, He still sounds like a Chicago bull. He, I mean, obviously he wants to be traded, but he doesn't sound like somebody who's going to be a problem if he's not. And so I would prefer that the bulls not take less than he's worth just to get rid of him. If, if the trade doesn't happen by the deadline, is there a chance that, that he gets healthy, comes back and that suddenly this team becomes more interesting because they become even better than they are right now with him playing for him.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Look, like I would expect if they do hang on to him that he would play the final couple months at that point, right? Because right now from everything we know, we know he has right foot soreness, but they haven't even given us an official diagnosis yet, which sometimes to me kind of seems like it's more on the players' terms, like they can't pinpoint the injury. I should say the Bulls haven't done that. Zach has explained it as a mid-foot strain a time or two um, when the injury first set in. So, to me, like it doesn't feel like a super serious issue for him. Like If he got traded in a couple weeks to the Lakers, just hypothetically, for example, I'd expect him to be playing for the Lakers pretty soon after getting moved there, um, certainly. So th- given that, given how far away February 8th is in relation to the injury he has, he could be fully healthy for the final couple months of the season, having seen what they did. And like, yes, the path is still there for a positive outlook, hope for him to come back and play well. But again, like some of this is to me more mental than physical. It's like, can he play how they want to play? I can't answer that. Only Zach can answer that. I don't know that the bulls know the answer to that or how he would play. They only briefly saw it really for that first half of the season in what, 21, 22 season. So it's, it's why it's really one of the more interesting situations here, I think, that we've seen for the Bulls and any team really in the NBA um, over the past couple of years, just just how you do have a star player. So um, it it's hard to say, Hub, right? Like every possibility is kind of still in play, but all signs, again, would point to a trade. Um, I, I just think I think the best question for you guys that, it, that it would be just kind of the the barroom question is like, will he play a couple more games for the Bulls before he's traded? <laughs> that's, like, what, that's what. Does Aunt, that help his trade value?
2: Right. That's what Aunt Heron said when when we were doing transition. He's like, hey, Gabe, I don't think your boy's gonna be playing for the Bulls anymore. And I'm like, oh, I guess. I guess you don't need him to per se if a team want because a team that wants him will probably say, don't play him. just like, hey man, don't worry, leave him there. We'll take him. Like, don't even worry about it. But I mean, I
4: I think we know what Zach Levine is when he's healthy and in a good situation that he likes. And I would assume he'd be healthy pretty soon after getting traded. I would assume, given that he's represented by Clutch, that he would probably get sent to a destination he's okay with. So, like, when he's healthy and happy, he's a really efficient high-level basketball player. So, I would, to me, I don't think Zach Levine has to come back to prove trade value. Or anything, I think it would be – I think the Bulls would point to it in trade negotiations if he did come back and, and hang, you know, 30 points a couple times on an efficient shooting. But it, I don't feel like that has to be the answer. People already across the NBA, most everyone has their opinion made up on Zach Levine given he's been in the NBA so long and given what he has and hasn't accomplished. Like those are – most people have a pretty set opinion that I don't think a couple games is going to yeah, sway. Yeah,
2: but, Cody, I feel like he – he's never been put in a position to have to change his game, right? Where he was in Minnesota, and he was one of the sole focuses out there. In Chicago, same thing. And he's never had to be on, one, a team with, you know, people that are better than him, significantly better than him, I should say. And, and, and two, you know, having to, like, alter his game just a little bit to not be the primary ball handler scorer.
4: It's an excellent point, Gabe. I would push back in only one regard, and that's when he played for Team USA that, that won the gold medal Fair. in summer 2021. Um, I think that was in Tokyo. And he was really a role player, um, played pretty good defense there, kind of shot open threes, didn't have the ball in his hands a lot but that's a different animal, right? Like USA basketball and Kevin Durant's on your team. That's like a no brainer question marks (laughs) like that. You, You don't raise an issue. So like really the only way he's changed his game since he's come to Chicago is he has deferred to DeMar in crunch time, which all the speculation behind the scenes is that obviously Zach doesn't love that all the time. He understands it. He understands it. Sometimes other times he wish he'd had the ball in crunch time. So that's the main way I think that he has deferred, but there, there has been no huge um, stylistic change or adjustment for him in the way he plays that you could see him having to make if he was playing alongside LeBron James, for example, um, as we all expect the Lakers to have interest in Zach Levine on a team with Anthony Davis, even as a number two there. Zach might actually be the number two scorer if he got moved to the Lakers, something like that, um, but we know that like Anthony Davis is the second best player on that team and such, so... Um, yeah, another thing, and again, it's just it's going to I think get back to like what are the Bulls just willing to take because there will be offers closer to the trade deadline, and do they think it's worth it to keep him a couple months and see what happens in this season, and it could get even messier, he could get um, even more unhappy, all to go through that to maybe have a chance to trade him for more in the summer. So that's why it's confusing, and that's really why I mean. I don't know, a game of roulette or something here exactly, but uh, they're going to have just fascinating decisions coming up. And that'll start with when he gets healthy, what do they do with him, right? And I would expect late December was kind of the timeline for a potential return, but I'm sure there would be a couple week ramp up period. So um, they'll keep browsing the trade market probably till mid-January before they have to make their uh, next big decision.
2: That'll be an interesting one for sure. And one that will be Watching closely, Cody. Appreciate you hanging out with us tonight. Look forward to talking to you again soon.
4: Yep. Take care, guys.
2: Cody Westerlund, our uh, editor here at Six Seventy The Score, also covers the Bulls for us. Um, you know, he 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 Hub. He, he he don't let him fool you. He loves these Bulls. <laughs> when I talk to him, I'm always like Cody, and he's just like Gabe. You know, it's always like really even keeled. But I'm like, I know you love them deep down inside. You just wish they were better.
3: You know, I don't think I have ever admitted this on the air in, in 45 years, but. I love the Bears, You too. love the Bears? I mean, I, I was born in Chicago. I was Chicago. born in Rogers Park. Yeah, sure. I, you know, and I grew up a fan before it became media. And and there's nothing wrong with loving the team you cover True. as long as you cover them fairly and honestly and openly and, and make sure you include the positive and the negative.
2: Yeah, he can't just be one-sided because then he'd be too much of a fanboy. I know. I know personally. All right. Uh, on the other side, we get to continue this Bears—or con- excuse me, we get to switch up and go back to the Bears conversation. As we talk to Alex Shapiro, Bears insider for NBC Sports Chicago, Uh, we are going to talk to him about the performance of Justin Fields in the offense against the Cleveland Browns. What was his, his big takeaway from last Sunday?
1: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
2: game. We'll do that next. It's Gabe Ramirez and Hub Arkish right here on 670 The Score. We're
1: back live with more Gabe Ramirez and score senior football analyst Hub Arkish on 670 The Score.
2: Oh yeah, that's pretty intense music right there, Leo. <laughs> I like it though, I like it better than some of the stuff I've been getting. I think it was it was a football Monday. I was doing it with Tyler Farrangal, and like he was playing like some I don't even know, man, some like slow lullaby music. And I was like, dude, <laughs> it's three in the morning.
4: Well, you know what this song is? It's what is that? I don't It's know. from the movie Friday Night Lights. It's like the song they play when they hit the field at the state okay. championship, and like put the
2: bodies on yes, the floor.
4: Yeah, basically.
1: Here we go. Wait, it's about to drop.
2: Okay, man. You're, you're a producer, not a DJ, my friend. Yes. Bears fans. Oh, so close. All right, it's Gabe Ramirez. It's how Uh, And we get to continue our conversation about the Bears. Bears lose to the Cleveland Browns 20-17 on Sunday. Um, the big conversation when I was doing the Plumbers 911 Football Monday was just, you know, how much of the blame was on this person, how much was on this person. I had people give me percentages. It was great. I'm curious what our next guest has to say about that. What If they were to lay blame, I, I just retweeted one of his tweets about all the offensive possessions of the Chicago Bears, so I'm sure he's leaning in one direction. I can't wait to hear which. Uh, joining us right now on our guest hotline, presented by Circa Sports Illinois. Uh, he covers the Bears for NBC Sports Chicago, and he's hanging out with us right now. It is Alex Shapiro. Alex, welcome to the show. Hey, Gabe Hubb. It is a pleasure to join y'all. Thanks so much for having me. No problem. So, let's talk about this this Cleveland game before we look to the future of the Bears. I mean, what were your main takeaways? Because you know, some would say, and Hub and I were just talking about, you know, even if Darnell Mooney catches that ball, your feelings about Justin Fields, the offense, the team as a whole, you know, pretty much stays the same regardless of the outcome. But what were your big takeaways?
5: Yeah, probably my biggest takeaway is. Unless, uh, you know, it probably actually doesn't even matter. It, it's, it's that time has it seemingly run out for this offense to stick together. And at some point over the offseason, <clears throat> some significant changes do need to happen on offense. Whether that's replacing Luke Getzey as offensive coordinator, whether that's getting a new quarterback, whether that's both. Uh, I think some personnel changes need to happen around the quarterback and for the offensive coordinator to work with. But but it, it's not just a couple of tweaks, in my opinion. It's, it's some big changes need to happen on offense.
3: You know, Alex, I, I'm kind of worn out talking about uh, Justin. Uh, he, he's a great kid. I don't mean to say anything negative about him. It's just um, what new can we say? I'm really intrigued by what you just said, though. What are the other areas that you think they need changes on offense? And I'm talking about players, not really coaches.
5: Uh, I think they probably need a new wide receiver two and three. Uh, <clears throat> I think they need another solid tight end two. I think we kind of took it for granted when Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet were working together, and Jimmy Graham was a legitimate red zone threat. Uh, to go along with Colcomet and Robert Tunyon, you know, heading into the season, I expected Robert Tunyon to be really effective with Colcomet in two tight end sets, and that just never came to fruition. And his dropped, what appeared to be a surefire touchdown at the beginning of that game, was kind of a microcosm of his entire season. Uh, so I think three more pass catchers are probably needed. You know, they could probably stand to add on that offensive line as well. So from a personnel standpoint, I mean, DJ Moore has been a stud. But other than that, you know, this is an idea I've been kicking around a lot too. The run game was so good for so long, but against Cleveland, they they tried to spread out so many carries to three different backs and none of them were able to, to make any headway. So I'm wondering if, you know, Less is going to be more with that. Do you do you move forward with two running backs instead of this three-headed monster that they've tried, right? The, the Bears have been best when they've ran with two running backs, not three. So tweaking that rushing attack a little bit, there's all sorts of changes that could be made from the personnel uh, standpoint.
2: We're talking to Alex Shapiro from NBC Sports Chicago here on 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish. You bring up two great points. One is about the running game and what has happened to it over the last couple of weeks. And it is because of the injection of, of, of Deontay Foreman, right? Hub and I had these talks at the beginning of the season. I thought Deontay Foreman should have been the starting running back from the very beginning. and when So he wasn't active for the first couple of games. It kind of threw me through a loop. But clearly they wanted to establish Roshan Johnson as one of their primary ball carriers. And obviously after the, the injury to Khalil Herbert, then everything gets shaken up. Roshan gets the concussion and injury. And, and then now they're at this place where they're not sure how to divide the carries because throughout the entire season, they they've never had all three ready to go. Uh, in, in that backfield. So that That's interesting. Uh, but but I do want to ask you a, a question about something else you brought up, which is the offensive line. And, you know, clearly Ryan Poles feels comfortable with Braxton Jones at that left tackle position. But with the top 10 pick, you know, a lot of people are, are leaning, you know, towards that, taking one of the best tackles, something that you, you probably should do if you're in that position with, with two picks. What are your thoughts on that and taking a left tackle, someone that could supplant Braxton Jones and not necessarily knowing, you know, what his – Uh, role will then be if if that were the case
5: you know for me it's less of a priority I'm not saying it's a wrong move because if you add a Joe Alt if you add an Olu Fashanu it's going to make the team better and Braxton Jones could probably thrive as a swing tackle in a way that Larry Borum just really hasn't this season so you're making your team better if you're doing that and I wouldn't disagree with somebody who says yeah the Bears should do this but I just for me would prioritize getting a top-flight edge rusher to go opposite Montez Sweat, whether it's Laitu Latu or Jared First, uh, or, you know, adding a pass catcher, like I said, because I don't think the Bears right now have a reliable wide receiver, too. For whatever reason, things have not worked out with Darnell Mooney in this offense, right? We all know he's talented. We saw that 1,000-yard season in 2020 or 2021, but, uh, but it just hasn't worked out with, with Justin Fields, and it hasn't worked out with, uh, with Luke Getze and Darnell Mooney over the past couple of years. So, you know, I look at Marvin Harrison Jr. I look at Malik Neighbors. I look at Roma Dunze from Washington. You know, there are a lot of really excellent wide receivers in this draft, and a bunch of them are going to go to the first round. And I would look at, at those two areas before I'm looking at a left tackle.
3: You know, it's a loaded wide receiver class, but Marvin Harrison Jr. is the best player in this draft, and you do have the number one overall pick. Would it stun you if the Bears took Harrison at number one instead of trading it or taking the quarterback?
5: It, it would stun me, and I agree with what you're saying. Marvin Harrison Jr., like in a vacuum, could go number one overall, but let's be honest, quarterbacks go at the top of this draft, and if the Bears identify Marvin Harrison Jr. as their guy, I would wager if they have that top pick that they trade back one or two spots for a team that really wants Caleb Williams or really wants Drake May. And then you just take Marvin Harrison with two or three um, just because, again, it, you know, it, it, in the 2023 NFL, it, it's going to be a quarterback going off the top.
3: You would think so. And I, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not debating it, but I would remind you that they also have the fourth or fifth or sixth pick. And, and so if they take Harrison number one, they can still do whatever else they might want to do with that number one pick. And I don't think I, I wouldn't, if if Harrison is the guy they want, then I wouldn't risk uh, taking the chance that, you know, you don't take him one, but hopefully he's still there at three or four or something like that.
5: No, And again, you you know, there's something to that as well. You have the top pick. He's the guy. Why mess with it? Just go get him because, yeah, Marvin Harrison takes this wide receiver room to the next level immediately day one. So I understand why you wouldn't want to mess with it, especially knowing you're going to probably have another top ten pick to get somebody else that's really, really good. Um, That's just not really how I expect it to play out.
2: Yeah, we're talking to Alex Shapiro from NBC Sports here on 670. The score, Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish. Um, talk to me about this defense. I mean, obviously, he's been playing exceptionally well. Montez Sweat just getting a, a ton of pressure on that front line. And Iken Gake going down. Other people stepping up. You know, you've seen the interior line play exceptionally well. Tyreek Stevenson seems to have, have settled down after some, some you know, pretty bad penalties at the beginning of the season. If you were to add to this defense, where would you add to it? And how impressed are you with where they are at currently? Very impressed. I mean, the things that they have done in
5: one year are truly remarkable. Last season, they were the worst run defense in many categories or bottom five in practically every other one. And now they're top five in a lot of those same categories. They, they kind of skipped the, the middle portion, right? Typically, teams go from the worst to middling, to them the best. They, they completely skipped that with the run defense, and that should be noted. Uh, I also want to credit Matt Eberflus for realizing, hey, getting home with four isn't working for us, <laughs> even though this is the way we want to do things. He created new pressure packages. He created some interesting pressure packages, and it really helped them take that step until Montez Sweat came, and then, you know, they're still pressuring probably more than we expect or expected heading into the season, but it's less so now. You know, um,
3: I just want to I just want point out to you, and I don't mean to interrupt, they're not just a top-five run defense as of Sunday and last night. They are now the number-one run defense in the wow. league today. Unreal. I mean, that that is quite a remarkable turnaround from, from a year
5: yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly. That's insane. Uh, and then the takeaways have come. once Once the pressure increased, once they started – Speeding up the clocks on the quarterbacks. The takeaways that we've heard about incessantly for the top for the past two years—they're starting to come. So you got to give them credit. Uh, to answer your question about where I think they should add, I—I I think edge rusher, like I mentioned before, uh, is is definitely in need with unique and up out for the rest of the year, and I don't think they'll bring him back on another one-year deal or on any other deal. Uh, Justin Jones is also a guy playing on the last year of his deal and. You know, there's probably a better chance that he comes back than Yannick Ngakwe, but they might go in a different direction with the young three-tech as well. And then you have the, the, the big question in my mind is, what do you do with Eddie Jackson, who um, has battled injuries for the past two seasons, finally got the interception last week, but if you have health concerns, do they draft a young new safety uh, in the second or third round? To to really have a young secondary moving forward, because I believe they can get out from Eddie Jackson's contract uh, without too much dead cap penalty.
3: You know, <laughs> I, there, there's so much with this team, and, and and the coverage has been so interesting because. Very few want to focus on the fact that this is a rebuild. This isn't a team competing for the playoffs. Um, but you know what also has been lost is not only do they have these draft picks, these high draft picks, for the second year in a row, they're going to have the most available cap space going into free agency. And and I think Poles did a pretty good job, at least with the linebackers he signed this this year, and and a, you know a couple of defensive linemen too. So uh, this turnaround is going to come quicker. I think, than we we expected or had any reason to expect a few months
2: ago. Daniil Hunter. That's the name I'm throwing in the hat, guys, (laughs) with all the money.
5: Hey, if Daniil Hunter actually makes it to the market, that is definitely a name that will be circled by this staff.
2: I mean, they're super familiar with him. They know what he can do. Put him on the opposite side of Montez Sweat in this defense? Yes! Do it! Pay the money!
5: Yeah, but as you guys know, you know... It's fun to dream about all these premier free agent options at this time of the year. Fact is a lot of these guys never do hit the market, which is why I think it's important going back to the Montez sweat deal that Ryan Poles really took the ball and put it in his own court with Montez sweat, right? For the people who are saying, Oh, you could have just re-signed him in the off season. He didn't let him hit the market. You know, there are other fan bases who had Montez sweat circled who now like They'll they'll never get a chance, you know. Uh, he he made the trade, he made the extension offer, obviously, and and bam, just like that, he's off the market. So guys like Daniil Hunter, you know, other big free agent prospects, a lot a lot of those guys might not you know might not ever have the opportunity to listen to an offer from the Bears.
2: Yeah, it'll be tough. All right, before I get you out of here, Alex, got to get your thoughts on this this weekend's game, uh, Bears taking on the Cardinals. Uh, what are your thoughts and expectations?
5: Uh, I do believe the Bears will win. Uh, the Cardinals offense, you know, we were talking with Darren Urban, who covers the Cardinals uh, in Arizona, and basically he was telling us their offense works best when their run game is clicking, and they can just hand the ball off to James Conner a ton of times to, uh, to work off of that. And as we just said, the Bears' run defense has been incredible. So if they can bottle that up if they can speed up the clock on Tyler Murray uh this is a game that they should win and you got to remember that's a team that plays in a dome in Arizona it should be cold uh bear weather typically advantage bears for for a team from Arizona so I think, I think the Bears do get back in the wing column this weekend.
3: Can I give you one quick piece of news? Because I just happened to look at my phone sure. about 10 minutes ago.
2: It's snowing on Sunday? Absolutely. No,
3: oh, it's oh. going to be close to 50 on Sunday. Oh, really?
2: <laughs> oh, really?
5: Oh, oh, oh my God. Oh, that's well, great. so there, there goes the Bears weather narrative.
2: <laughs> I like it, though, still outdoors. We'll take it anyway. Alex, appreciate you hanging out with us tonight, man. Great stuff. All right, thank you, guys. It was a pleasure as always. Of course, Alex Shapiro. Make sure you listen to him on NBC Sports Chicago. Of course, he has his the Bears podcast on there as well. you got to make sure you're checking that out also. Uh, good stuff, though. Good stuff. It's so funny, the Bear weather thing. Do you think the Bears, if they get the new stadium hub, they're going to get a, a dome, or is it going to be like a retractable roof? Do you have any thoughts on that?
3: Well, I, I, I think it only makes sense to have it be a retractable roof. I mean, yeah. you've got to have a roof. I mean, they can't build a new stadium and still play all their games outdoors. But I, I think in Chicago, there are days when you don't want the roof open, you know. Yeah. You want to be outdoors, and there may even be if they get good and it becomes really competitive. And we're, we're, we're thinking about things like this; they may want to keep the roof off in thirty-degree weather in a playoff game. You, you just don't right. know, you know. Yeah. So I think they they will
2: definitely have the option, depending on the makeup of the team, right? That's what we do know. Yeah. All right, uh more Bears thoughts, our final ones on the other side. We're going to get up out of here at nine o'clock. So uh, let's continue the conversation on the other side. It's Gabriel Ramirez. It's Hub Arkish. It's six seventy. The score.
1: We're back live with more Gabe Ramirez and score senior football analyst Hub Arkish on 670 The Score.
2: Got a damn, got a few more minutes before we uh, get up out of here. It's Gabe Ramirez, Hub Arkish, hanging out with you on 670 The Score. Nice little Tuesday. I feel like the last time we did this together, Hub, we were it was a Friday night. So that's why I'm getting thrown off a little bit. The last couple of times we're on a Friday, right?
3: Turn it on, it works better. Friday's my regular night, yes. Yeah, so that's it, what I'm saying. When the Bulls aren't playing, that's when we're together.
2: That's what it is. <laughs> uh, but we are here now. A couple of things happening in, in the news that I feel like are, are worthy and, and you know, maybe things we could chat about. Did you hear about the the DeVito story with the pizza place going on in New York? Hub? No, I didn't hear that one. So apparently his agent, <laughs> the one that we see on TV all the time, uh, agreed in principle for uh, DeVito to come out and do a two-hour autograph signing for ten thousand dollars well then he went on to win three straight games right not knowing he would be the starting quarterback of the the new york football giants and so the agent then reached back out to the pizza place and said hey we're gonna make it it needs to be twenty thousand dollars now and the pizza place is like dude we're a small (laughs) business we we went out to get this guy so they put it online because it's twenty twenty three Mm-hmm. and now it's no longer your word versus mine there's receipts there's text messages there's exchanges and so the the agent was like well we never agreed to anything so i don't know why he would promote the appearance and then the pizza place puts out the text messages where they agreed to the amount and everything ultimately what ends up happening is the ends up going out there anyway uh and he does it for free of course because it's the right pr thing to do mm-hmm. don't take ten thousand dollars from the small business mm-hmm. uh but he, he ultimately ends up going out there and ends up shaking hands and and kissing babies. Do you think this this phenomenon that's been happening, whether it is, you know, Browning from the Cincinnati Bengals, DeVito from the Giants, or Baygent from the Chicago Bears, is it watering down the quarterback position at all?
3: No, I don't think so. Because let's see what happens with DeVito in another week, two, three. You know, I mean, Dobbs was, was you know, the story in the middle of the season, yeah. and now he's back to being a number three. Um, I think what we're finding out is that other than – the franchise quarterbacks or the pro bowl quarterbacks, there's not really that much difference between the rest of these guys. And I think what is proven by this is that m- the most important differences are more mental and understanding. I, I'm not, not that they're dumb or smart, but that they have a mental feel for the game, that that they have the natural instincts to do the things that they do. And that that really is more important than the physical ability. Uh, not well, it's, yeah, it is more important. Yeah. A- a- yeah. And, 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 you know, physical ability is obviously huge, but there are a lot of very great talent, talented quarterbacks who don't become great quarterbacks because I'm not even sure you can really teach that mental aspect of it. When, when you look at somebody like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, they were born with that. You, you know, it's not something that they just kept studying and learning until they got it right. And, and, and that has from the beginning and continues to be my biggest concern about Justin Fields for the Bears because he has not demonstrated any of those abilities.
2: Yeah, it's so interesting, right, Hub? Those guys that you mentioned, even when you're just watching them simply with the eye test, they play the game differently. Mm -hmm. When you watch Rodgers or Brady or Mahomes, the way they play the quarterback position is not just this is how you play quarterback and I'm going to do it the best. No, it's this is how you play quarterback, this is how you do it the best, And I'm going to add my little flair to it to then separate me from everyone else and put me in the upper echelon of, of players. And that's why I think the argument with Justin Fields or even just the quarterback position in general, right? Not even with Justin, we can remove him from the equation. When you see someone that is a part of the pack and you have an opportunity to maybe get someone that could potentially be the guy that we were just mentioning. I think that to me is why two years in a row, if you have that opportunity, you got to jump at it eventually because my biggest argument I was making against people that were for justin on on our football Monday show is so is your argument then that Justin Fields is just going to be better than every single college quarterback to ever come out of of college for the rest- for the rest of time because mm-hmm. you, you don't want to wait or you, you don't there's you're not sure or you can't guarantee who he's going to be i mean that's the frustrating part about the conversation
3: I'm watching last night, and I see the Steelers win that game, and I see Josh Dobb make that throw mm-hmm. to win the game, and I'm thinking. Does anybody want him as their next starting quarterback? No. Right. Is he gonna be the Steelers starting quarterback? No. But that was one of the best throws I've ever seen. Oh, you talking about the uh
2: you're talking about um last night, the Eagles versus the Seahawks? Or are you talking about uh yeah? yeah no, I'm
3: talking about the, the yes, the Seahawks. Seahawks. Yes, Seahawks. Yeah, Yeah,
2: Seahawks. yeah, I got Who you. Drew Locke. Drew Locke. You I knew what you were saying you're talking about backup quarterbacks. You said you, you mentioned Josh Dobbs and, yeah. and, and, and and yeah.
3: Yes, that's what I was talking about. Yeah, I don't know what I teams you. I said, yeah. yeah, yeah no, 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 no. I Drew talking. Lock. I know what you're talking about yeah, mm-hmm. I knew
2: what you were talking about that throw to Jackson Smith and Jigwa at the very end. Was a dime, but you're right. Like Drew locke has been around the league, you know the Broncos. Do people want him as their starting quarterback? He'll
3: probably never make that throw again. (laughs) But 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 it was just gorgeous, and there and most guys playing in the NFL can make that play once or or, or five times, whatever it may be. But that's not what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who can do it naturally all the time those guys are few and far between and it's just really hard to predict which ones are going to be that guy.
2: Yeah. To have the moxie to do it once is one thing when mm-hmm. yeah, the pressure's on you and you want to feel good for something, but to do it week in and week out, that's mm-hmm. what separates you and makes you uh, the best of the best. All right. Uh, we are about to get up out of here. Got to thank our guests for today. Leo, why don't you hear me with that theme music? Oh, this is different. I like it. Uh, we have to thank Ed Smith, former NFLer and former White Sox player uh, for joining us today also got to thank cody westerlin for lending his insight on the chicago bulls and then of course alex shapiro just hung out with us and had some great stuff to say about the uh, chicago bears also got to thank our producer leo stada today
1: he's a freak he's a basketball. <laughs>
2: i love that hub what you got going on for the weekend
3: for the weekend. Oh, uh, damn, it's
2: not Friday. I just said it wasn't Friday. <laughs> I haven't even thought about Wednesday. I got stuff to do still. What am I talking about?
3: Yeah, I've got a TV script to finish. That's what I got to okay. do
2: next. All right, knock that out. Uh, next time you'll hear me on your radios tomorrow, 2 to 6 p.m., Mark Grody, the G&G show, uh, will be in full effect, filling in for Parkins and Spiegel. Mi gente, that means my people. Hasta la próxima. That means until next time, I am Gabriel Ramirez. He is Hub Arkish, and this is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score.
1: Bear down. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today